This is Good Together, the podcast that inspires you to create change in the world every day. I'm your host, Laura Alexander-Wittig, CEO and founder of Brightly, the number one destination for conscious consumers around the world. At Good Together, we value the planet over perfection and believe that you can make positive things happen for the planet every day by being a conscious consumer and an informed citizen. Listen in as I chat with various experts about living and consuming responsibly. together listeners. So today's episode is something really cool. We're trying something out new here at Good Together and Brightly. Um, If you are an older listener in terms of like listening to us since the very beginning, not your age, (laughs) um, you will have noticed that, you know, we used to do more conversational type episodes between me and Lisa, uh, who used to be our co-host here on the podcast. Lisa has actually moved on to other opportunities. So it's just me now as our main host. Um, But I really missed the fun that I used to have by doing kind of more organic conversational style chats versus having experts on. So of course, we're going to continue to bring on some amazing guests. We'll get into all sorts of really cool stuff down the line. But I do kind of want to bring back some of these conversational uh, talk more casually about some eco problems that we're all facing on our own. So with that being said, um, I have invited a new Brightly team member um, onto the podcast, Leon, who has recently joined the company um, doing some marketing stuff for us. So welcome, Leon. Thanks, Laura. I'm excited to be here, and this will be a lot of fun. Yes. And so Leon and I actually, small world, literally grew up like minutes from each other in Texas. Um, Leon's still based there. Well, he's he's kind of done the classic, um, you know, move around and then <laughs> is, is, is based there in Texas now. I was actually just in Texas visiting some family, um, but I'm a listener, you may or may not know. I'm based in Seattle now. And so um, it was pretty wild to figure out that like we had that, you know, just small world experience, right? Yeah, not only are we from Dallas, but Dallas area, but we're literally from like the same neighborhood in Dallas. And what are the odds of that? I mean, just, just crazy. It was a yeah. lot of fun to figure yeah. that out. <laughs> super, super crazy. And so, yeah, so as I mentioned, uh, last week I had the opportunity to travel home with my husband and our eight month old Brooksley. Um, and we got to go see family in Texas for the first time since the pandemic. And so I feel like pandemic related travel obviously, as we all know, had gone down quite significantly um, for a while because we weren't able to travel. We're now seeing an explode, uh, exploding of travel, whether we're talking about like just getting in the car, having to deal with rising gas prices, or we're, you know, getting on planes and, and going all over the place. Leon, you were just traveling for a wedding, right? I was just traveling for a wedding. And just to if you take a step back, travel, I think, is exploding more now than even pre-pandemic, I think, according to TripAdvisor, 71% of Americans say they're likely to travel. And I've definitely noticed that if you've been going to the airports lately, it's kind of a zoo. Oh, yeah. Um, But yeah, I went to a really fun wedding this past weekend in upstate New York. um, And that was a really um, amazing opportunity. We we stayed at a repurposed um, bread and breakfast 
bread, uh, bed and breakfast. Can't talk today, Laura. Sorry. <laughs> um, which is amazing because it was we were really out in nature, and for people like us that live in Seattle, Dallas, New York, Los Angeles, whatever it is, it's great to get a different perspective on things. And so um, it was a lot of fun to kind of be out in uh, in nature and the environment and be surrounded by trees <laughs> for a weekend, usually to see, you know, buildings. So um, yeah. it, was a, it was a lot of fun. Well, and that's like the magic of traveling. I think if you think about travel from uh, an eco-friendly or sustainable lens, obviously the most eco-friendly thing to do is to not do any travel and to just stay in your house <laughs> all the time or like walk or bike. Um, and it's just not realistic. Like whether we're talking about needing to see family after a few years or going on business trips, which are starting to pick up again, you and I are going to go to New York here in a little bit. Like we need to see people, um, you know, in person more. That's just like, a, it's just life. And so, as we think about wanting to travel more responsibly, there's ways that we can do it. Um, so as you guys know, at Good Together, we're all about the realistic advice. We know that you're going to have to travel. So let's talk about how we can do it from an eco-friendly perspective. Um, but before we get into that, let's talk a little bit about, um, I guess, the environmental cost of traveling. And Leon, I'm, I'm curious, like, before you started working with us, um, you know, like, I, actually, give the listeners a little, like, introduce yourself a little bit. Like, wh- where are you on your eco-friendly journey? Like, what kind of, dr- like, brought you to Brightly? Like, you know, sure. how do you, how are, are you, you know, thinking about conscious consumerism? I, I'm super curious. Yeah, for me, um, my background is very entrepreneurial. Um, I've started multiple um, direct-to-consumer startups, all with um, kind of wanting to make a social impact as a key piece. Um, and so when I saw this, you know, this opportunity with Brightly, it's such an amazing company, and Laura, you're such a great uh, leader and visionary, oh, <laughs> um, that I really wanted this opportunity to help run the marketing. I think we're going to do amazing things. On my personal journey, I'm, I'm definitely a work in progress. And I think that's one of the great things about Brightly is that, you know, we say nobody's perfect, and everyone's kind of in different stages of that journey of li- living sustainably. But I've been just since I started, and what this is week three, um, I've already started to like try and make changes and just do things on like the day to day basis to try to live a little more sustainably. Uh, my wife is really good at helping me with that. Uh, she's always been a lot better. <laughs> but uh, I think this is a great opportunity to uh, to make a positive impact, um, and uh, I'm excited. But as you're as you were also talking about earlier with travel and seeing family, I also generally think travel is just such an amazing life is about experiences to me. And I think traveling and traveling with people you love as well is just creates amazing experiences that you'll cherish for the rest of your life. I know my wife and I love to travel any chance we can get and just experience um, different cultures and different parts of the world. Um, I think it just gives you such a great perspective on how other people live and how people live differently in other countries versus how we live here in the United States. Yeah. And I feel like the concept of a bubble and like being influenced by whether it's people just around you geographically or even just people who have the same set of ideas is just so apparent right now, whether we think, I mean, everything is politicized and whether you agree with what's going on or you don't like it's, it's one of these things where I feel like you can't do anything without having almost like a confrontation of somebody else who like doesn't necessarily share your background and, or your ideas. Um, and honestly, for a long time, I felt like 
eco-friendly living was like this too. Um, you know, you and I growing up in Texas, nobody was ever talking about this, right? Like, I mean, it exactly. absolutely was not a thing. Um, I, my mom was would like kind of make fun of me because I've always been kind of crazy about what is in my like beauty products. So I always was like, like there was like one Whole Foods that I would go, we'd go to, and I would like get the natural version of stuff. And she always was just like, what is your what is with you? Like, I don't understand. I've always been weird about that kind of stuff. And so for me, um, living in a place where it wasn't necessarily a priority of people around me, I think really helped inform the way we talk about things here at Brightly when I, when I came to start the company. So totally agree. Traveling is a necessity, whether we like it or not, um, from an eco perspective. We, there are so many positive things to be gained. Um, but when we think about actu- the actual cost um, from the environmental perspective to traveling, we have a few statistics for you. So um, there's some past research that says tourism accounts for roughly 8% of the world's carbon emissions. Um, and so when we think about that carbon footprint, roughly half of that footprint comes from transportation, like we talked about, followed by goods, food and beverage, agriculture, services, and lodging. So I was actually kind of, I mean, the transportation thing, totally hear that, right? Like I wasn't surprised by that. But for me, the fact that like lodging was last on on that list, but then goods was in front of that. Like, I mean, I'm wondering, maybe they're talking about like souvenirs. Like, isn't that kind of interesting? That is interesting. Um, and I know, of course, you can't avoid everything. Like, you know, plane travel is what it is. Um, but for me, for example, on this last trip I went this weekend, like we talked about, um, you know, the place that we stayed um, really was put an emphasis on being eco-friendly. Um, and that was actually really, really interesting to see. Um, you know, usually I tend to stay, you know, you tend to stay in hotels and things like that. But finding this um, bed and breakfast that employ local people and use local ingredients and all the food. Um, they even have a garden, so it's really farm to table. Um, and it was really, really cool. And it was really interesting. And it's things that, you know, I want to take back um, and try to, um, you know, utilize here in Dallas. Um, I think, as you know, being from Texas, like you, like you said, things are not always, uh, being eco-friendly is not always on top of mind. But I think we're, you know, I think we're starting to get there a little bit. And it's definitely, um, as you can see with, um, Gen Z, it's really top of mind. So we're moving in the right direction, but we still have a lot of work to do. Yeah. Sure. And I mean, it's, we don't, listeners, we don't want to necessarily like broad brush specific geographies. I feel like there are always going to be pockets of people, no matter where you live, that really deeply care about these things. But when you look at, pick at the, um, you know, the local governments, the way they're, uh, you know, solving problems. My mother lives in a small town outside of Dallas. Um, they literally don't have recycling. Like it's, it's not something that's provided. Yeah. 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 She lives in a town called Lutus, which is, uh, right next to Allen. Um, and they don't have like recycling available. I think she said there might be a way to do it, but you have to pay a ton of money. Like it's not just something that's included along with your trash pickup. Like it's something you have to like actively purchase. Um, so anyway, just like going home and seeing that for me was like, Oh, okay. Like this is literally something affecting my mom. Um, but just because things like that happen in some areas doesn't necessarily mean that they're, you know, they're inherently not eco-friendly. Um, but it, but it's something worth calling out for sure. Um, obviously, not everybody is going to have access to whether this, you know, pick at the system of recycling we just talked about or locally grown uh, produce for, you know, uh, 
not crazy expensive. Like there's always going to be a question of accessibility and affordability when we talk about eco-friendly living. So as, as everybody knows, listens to this podcast, like we're not in the business of shaming or anything like that. We're just like, just having a conversation. Um, so Leon, we talked a little bit about travel, but since travel, like, I'm sorry, the um, method of travel. And so since that seems to occupy about half of that carbon footprint, like we talked about flying, like, I mean, like, I wonder if there's like some other tips we can give people, right? Like most of us are probably gonna have to fly, but I mean, if you're going somewhere that has trains, like use those, right? I mean, Dallas has that light rail, right? We do have the light rail, yeah. but other cities do it a lot better, and we have a long way to go. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but, you know, let's say you had, you, you're going to Europe, and you do have to fly there, of course. But once you get there, they have such an amazing rail system in most countries in Europe that you can literally go from any city using the train. I've done that yes. before. It's a more, it's so it's a more awesome. fun way to travel. Yes. It's just easier. And obviously, as we put in our article, um, it's the most eco-friendly way to travel as well. So it kind of hits on all of those. Um, And I think there's a a lot of cities in Europe uh, do a great job at that. My wife and I um, were lucky enough to be able to take a trip to uh, Spain over last winter, uh, which was amazing. And we traveled everywhere just by train. Um, so cool. and so it was, it was awesome. It was so much fun, but well, and it's so, easy yeah. too. It's like much so less easy. hassle compared to like going to the airport and everything like that. Um, and like we just said, you know, I was talking about Dallas, but there's also plenty of opportunities to utilize trains or public transportation, obviously when you get to your destination, even if you're not going to Europe, um, Leon and I are about to go to New York for a, for a conference. Um, and, I bet you we're going to be taking the subway. We got to <laughs> practice while we're preaching. I mean, and I love the subway Definitely. in New York. It's awesome, right? Yeah, 100%. And we've got to practice what we preach. So Absolutely. We'll and I mean, honestly, subway. you know, I don't know if anybody else has noticed ride sharing, which, you know, if you are going to be needing the use of a car and you didn't rent one, which if you rent one, be awesome if you could figure out how to get an electrical electric vehicle, because that would certainly help. But if not, you know, we, we know that there's, um you know, trade-offs. But if you're going to ride share, I love using, you know, the... um Uber X where you're taking a ride with somebody else. So it's not yeah. just like an individual going to, to and fro, but Uber and, and Lyft and all the ride sharing services are extremely expensive now. Um, it's just, it's just, a. Yeah, uh, we can talk about the economics about it, like uh, VC <laughs> dollars running out and all of those things. Um, but we don't want to bore our listeners too much. So yes, I think we've all seen that ride sharing is, is a little bit more expensive now. So you know, thinking about different ways to get around once you're at your destination that don't, you know, rely on cars, you know, let's look at trains, buses, um, you know, utilizing different um, public transportation is really important. Um, And you can also, if you are, you know, let's say you get to your destination, and you've got a big group of people, um, and everybody needs to go the same place, like, do the old school carpool. You know what I mean? Like definitely, eh, definitely. use as few cars as you can. Um, and Google Maps also just look, uh, has this new um, feature where you can choose the route with the lowest carbon footprint, which is super interesting. That's really cool. I also saw that Google has a feature where you can see Google Flights that you can actually see which flights have the lowest carbon footprint, which is <laughs> and that's amazing to me. Yeah. That, that technology even exists and you have that when you're researching trips. Um, I definitely think that's pretty cool technology to, to take the 
Yeah. And like, absolutely. And like peeking behind the curtain, right? Like obviously the most direct path is always going to be the best, right? You're not having to go back and forth. I would love it. I don't know if Google Maps is doing this, but um, you know, I wonder if they ever measure uh, the impact of like stoplights and things like how much time you're going to idle. I think that would be really cool if they're they're thinking about it like that. I don't know. But yeah, Google, if you're listening, if anyone from Google's listening, let's get on that. Yeah, that's right. Hey, let's, let's, uh, let's, let's create it together. It could be super cool. Um, Okay. So we're actually, if we back up and before we even get to our travel destination, I'm curious to know, like, yeah, like when you're doing some research specifically for a vacation, I think it's really important to pick a location that is respectful of the locals and you you actually spend time getting to know the history and culture. I feel like we've all been to destinations where it's just become, they become tourist traps and they're, you know, it's just such a strange situation in general. So tell me a little bit, like you just went to you know, Spain, Greece, like, tell me a little bit more about like how you were trying to, you know, have some cultural awareness when you're there. Cause I, I have to live through you. I haven't been able to go anywhere. I thought I got a really long time. <laughs> well, no worries. You'll get there. Um, but yeah. So for example, for Spain, we did a lot of research um, and there's such amazing history there that goes back hundreds, if not thousands of years. And of course the very popular cities are Madrid and Barcelona but we went to some smaller cities like Seville and Granada and Cordoba that have amazing history um, and amazing architecture. And we really wanted to learn more about the local cultures there um, and really like integrate ourselves um, in those environments. So it's really cool going to going to cities that were a little less uh, tourist crazy than some yeah. of the more popular, you know, destinations right now, especially post COVID where I think more people than ever are, um, are flying over to Europe. So, um, it was really cool to see. Um, and just the way they do things over there. Um, the, the food is just much more, um, locally sourced yeah. and you can just taste the difference. You know what I mean? Um, yeah, like you definitely just can. fresh. Uh, we're here. We still have a lot of things that are processed. Um, and so it's just very, it's just really interesting and such great history and just getting to know the people are so friendly there. Um, I think the best thing to do once, when you go visit um, new places like that is really interact, um, you know, with, with locals. Um, and that's the best way to, to find out more information about location you're in and, and show kind of uh, respect to the local culture and really like, have a full experience. Um, if yeah. you go to Europe, but you're just going to Starbucks or going to McDonald's, it's not, you're not getting a real authentic uh, travel experience in my opinion. Yeah, no, not at all. And there's so many ways that you can interact with locals, right? Like we're not just like saying like be a weirdo and like go up to random people on the street, which you can, if that's your personality, but that's not what we're saying. We're, we're talking about that listeners. We're talking about like going to local restaurants um, prioritizing restaurants that are owned by locals. Like if you're in a place that's got a exactly. lot of tourists, oftentimes you can even run into issues where like, it looks like, like, let's pretend, um, you are, you know, really interested in a type of restaurant. We'll come to find out it's not even owned by a local, right? It's owned by somebody else. This is really a problem, like in places like Hawaii and, you know, really, really, really touristy places. Um, but prioritizing that, um, another thing that you can do that I did, like, I guess the last time, I was able to travel internationally. My husband and I went to Italy and we were able to, we really wanted to take a, I know it was amazing. (laughs) We really wanted to take a cooking class and 
you know, of course you can take a cooking class that's like set up by your hotel and it's like super sanitized or, you know, there's all sorts of like, like, I think big ways that you can do that. But we were like, let's figure out how we can connect with the locals. So we actually, I think we did it through Airbnb experiences, if I remember correctly, but there's a lot of different places you can look for these things. Um, And we actually did, we learned how to make pasta with an Italian family in their home in Tuscany, which was just so so much fun. That sounds like a dream. So much fun. Um, And we also did this when we went to Thailand, we did a cooking class and they took us through the market. We picked everything out. We came back and like learned how to like, hand make a curry and so just like that's awesome just being able to do that and and support um you know locals from a financial perspective get um you know exposure into places to source local ingredients like hear the history and everything is is really important um because you know oftentimes when we go to new areas like we're not even going to understand or first of all we're not going to understand the context by which they're living and by talking to them and having these interactions you can actually like start to understand a little bit more and um one like note that we took as we were preparing for this podcast was like try to educate yourself if you can before you get there on maybe some environmental issues that are currently being faced by the region to make sure that you're not part of the problem like i think a lot about reef safe sunscreen in Hawaii and how before they did a really big PR campaign, all these people were entering into those precious coral waters, you know, and in bleaching them because they just didn't even understand what was going on. Right. So there's just so many different things that you could uncover. The other thing that that I'll, I'll throw in before we move on to our next point was we also found that like oftentimes beaches will have policies against using outdoor lights at night um, in order to make sure that sea turtle hatchlings can make their way to the sea. So like even just like going out into the beach and like using lights and things like that can confuse local wildlife if that's something that's there. Right. So like I didn't even think about that when we were kind of doing research for that, but it really popped out to me as something interesting. Right. Yeah, no, that's fascinating. Um, And just to go off of that, Laura, um, a few years ago, my family we did a trip to South Africa and um, they were having a major water shortage and drought. Um, and so it's just really important to look, to know that stuff going in um, and make sure that, um, you know, where you're staying and how much water you use that you're always cognizant of what they're going through. Um, and so, yeah, I agree with you. That's, that's really important to do that research ahead of time. Absolutely. And so Tell me a little bit, Leon, guys, I'm having a bite of a sandwich. You're actually seeing that, <laughs> truly seeing what's going on right now. I had a crazy day, but Leon and I hopped on. So Leon, I'm really curious to know, so you just traveled and you stayed at this local bed and breakfast. Like, tell me a little bit more about like, how did you even find this place? How did you, did you like make a conscious decision to stay at a local place or was it kind of like, a necessity because you were staying in a place that didn't have a bunch of hotels. Like walk me through that because I think as we all know, there's, I think uh, unfortunately an increasing number of places that are having what's called like over tourism, which is Uh too many tourists coming into a quality of an, you know, impacting the quality of an area or taking it a step further, like a conversion of existing homes into like Airbnb like it's just so complicated right like for me this was just an interesting thing for us to talk about yeah no 100% um so we actually had a wedding in Ithaca and then we could have spent the rest of the weekend in New York City I love New York City um been there a lot but so but we really wanted to try somewhere different and somewhere that 
um, was was kind of more rural and more kind of felt like a camping feel um, for Jul- July Fourth weekend. So I just did. So I just spent the extra time, like doing the research um, of different places, who owns the place. So it was a family-owned, um, you know, bed and breakfast, obviously. Um, and when I was looking at reviews, they said they don't use any um, single-use plastics and how everything was very local. Um, and so my wife and I thought that sounds like a really great, you know, opportunity to just do something different um, and kind of. Um, try something that we don't normally get to. Um, so, yeah, it was a great experience. I think just doing just doing some extra research, um, looking at reviews, trying to see who owns different places, and seeing if it's owned by families or if it's you know mom and pops versus um, you know a huge company that owns a ton of different uh, hotels or um, you know rents out a million Airbnbs. But um, so I think having that local part to it was really important and just trying to find somewhere different. It was, that was cool. And oftentimes like that's, that is where you make the best memories. So I have like two random anecdotes. First off, when I, um, I had the opportunity to go to Dublin back when I worked at Google on a business trip and, um, there was a, obviously like the big hotel options for me to stay at, but I had remembered reading about this B and B that had been featured in this architectural magazine like years before and for some reason it had just stuck in my head and so I actually was able to stay there and it was just the coolest experience like not only was I able to stay in this like really cool designed experience which I, I'm obsessed with design I love it but I also got to have the um you know the owners of the B&B you know they were the ones making the breakfast and kind of getting a set up in the morning and so I mean I had these amazing home-cooked Irish breakfasts And every day, of course, I had to tell them on like day three, I was like, guys, if I keep eating like this, you're going to have to roll me out of here because like the the tourist version, I suppose, of the Irish breakfast is like huge. Uh, Obviously, Irish people don't eat like that every day, Um, but it it also puts you to sleep a little bit. But so anyway, that was really fun. And the other thing I was going to say about Italy is the Italian government actually has a program where they encourage farmers to set up B&Bs on their farms. Um, and they're called agroturismo. Um, and so that is a whole initiative the government set up and they help subsidize these. Um, so they, they provide like financial incentives for farmers to do it. And then you're able to stay in a really authentic um, experience in Tuscany. It's so fun. Um, and then a few of them will literally farm to table, prepare you dinner at night, which we had that happen a few times. And I'm telling you, it was so good, uh, you know, just to be able to enjoy that food, support, um, you know, a farming family and and just like really have a really fun, mutually beneficial experience. It was it was amazing. <laughs> that sounds incredible. And for all the listeners, um, Laura's just gave me the green light to be able to work from Italy. So, oh, there we go. Um, That's right. <laughs> I think after your story, I'm just going to we're just going to have to move there for a while because, um, you know. Homegrown food in Tuscany doesn't doesn't sound too much. Nothing gets better than that. Yeah, it's um, amazing, and it's you know it's also was a really affordable experience. So like we, you know, it it was not by no means was it a super fancy accommodation, but everything was great and it was really affordable. So it was like a really cool way for us to to go there. So um, listeners, you know, we typically like to keep these episodes around half an hour, so we just kind of have one more point we wanted to get into around, you know, traveling sustainably. And this one, I think, is one that we 
we want to do often as individuals, but then the night before the trip comes along and we freak out and we throw everything into a suitcase. But thinking about like packing sustainably for trips and thinking more about how we can avoid the single use plastic because there are so many options available out there, like the mini shampoos. That's tempting. It's so tempting because you're just like, I can't mess with it. I don't want this thing to open while I'm in the plane. You know, there's like all these, you know, convenience factors that go into it, right? hundred percent. Yeah. It's very tempting. I think it's just trying to put that extra effort in to plan ahead of time. Um, and yeah, make sure you're not using the single plastic because they're everywhere. So, and if you have like the other thing that's interesting too, is I've found like, I'm super particular about like my shampoo and my skincare and stuff like that. And a lot of times those things don't even come in a travel size, even if I wanted them to. And so the eco alternative, which is to buy reusable containers to fill up with product, like is kind of what I have to do by default anyway. Right. So like there's some necessity there. Um, but so, you know, toiletries are a big thing to avoid. Um, just thinking about like packing light and, and not bringing a ton of luggage with you. Like, I mean, granted, like, I know it's a really small thing, but obviously the, the more weight you bring onto the plane, the more, um, you know, the heavier it's going to be. And you're going to increase, uh, you know, actually decrease the efficiency of that flight. So, I mean, I mean that, I know that's like a little bit crazy sounding, but it is true. And you can also just simplify your life a lot. If you can be creative with clothing that you rewear in multiple ways. Um, my husband's great at this. He always, he usually <laughs> probably packs about half of what he should, but he loves to rewear stuff. <laughs> Yeah, my wife uh, gives me a hard time about that too. I think yeah. uh, <laughs> your husband but you're being and me eco. have that. Yeah, we're just being eco friendly, right? I just got to tell her that next time. That's um, right. We call it accidentally yeah. eco, um, and that's totally what it is. I think I do a lot of accidentally eco, so that's good. <laughs> um, and then another tip we had was like not buying new things for your trip. Like that's, I mean, I don't know if you did this for your last trip, but sometimes I feel like oh, I'm going to a destination. I need a brand new outfit that's going to look really good. Or I don't know. It's just like the, the temptation to to buy new things for a trip, I feel like is super, super high. Yeah, no, for sure. But, you know, everyone's a work in progress and we're all in different stages of that process. So, but these are great things to start thinking about and be more cognizant of, um, you know, the next time you travel. Yeah. And so like we talked about, like, there's so many ways that you can make the packing process a little bit easier on yourself. Um, we can literally, you know, whether we're talking about buying things that help you refill. Actually, I don't. So listeners, you may or may not know, we do. Brightly does have a shop, um, an e-commerce store where you can, you know, pick, uh, you know, shop some of our picks and and really um, get inspired with some of these eco-friendly swaps. Like the whole goal of that shop is to just allow you to live a more eco-friendly lifestyle. Um, and so we do occasionally have travel-friendly things in the shop. We kind of rotate things in and out. But um, there's one thing in there currently. When you, if you this uh, is when when you're listening when this goes live, we have this really cool collapsible reusable water bottle from Stojo, which is just a really good thing to bring. That's super lightweight, so that you don't have to buy a bunch of bottled water. Um, that's really common. I feel like when we travel, um, but that's a good one. Just make sure you get filtered water and throw it in there. I think it's awesome. We also have, um, really lightweight towels that are made, um, with sustainable materials that can be good for, for traveling and just a quick thing to throw in. Um, you know, we also have like plastic free, um, alternatives in the shop right now. I mean, 
Leon, is there anything stuff. else I'm missing, right? I mean, I, there's just a I ton. personally love the collapsible uh, water bottle. It's, it's really cool. Um, there's some great stuff in there. So definitely, you know, check it out before your next trip and, and you know, you can hopefully help. Yeah. And uh, allowing you to have a more eco-friendly experience. Absolutely. Well, um, I think that kind of wraps up just like our quick combo about like our experiences traveling sustainably or not, right? I mean, there's, there's yeah, just a lot of fun. Whole, there's so much opportunity for us to all um, think a little bit more strategically about the way we travel. Um, and the last statistic I'll leave you with is um, a travel survey that went out this year um, by uh, the vacationer found that more than 87% of Americans believe that sustainable travel is either somewhat important or very important. So people are starting to think about That's this positive. a little bit more, um, you know, from a from a better perspective. So we hope some of these tips were useful to you. Um, and yeah, I guess Leon's going to go book his, uh, trip to, to Italy. <laughs> yep. On Laura's dime. That sounds like, oh, there we fun. go. <laughs> yeah, that sounds good. We'll have to, well, no, we'll see, see little, me after this recording. This so was, uh, I'm going to run away. Uh, but, uh, no, this was a lot of fun and let's definitely do it again soon. It was great. All right. Thank you. Thanks for joining us on another episode of Good Together. To get show notes and more, head to brightly.eco slash podcast. And as a special thank you to our listeners, use code GOODTOGETHER to get 10% off all products in Brightly's brand new shop full of planet positive swaps for your home. Finally, don't forget to join in on the conversation with us on social, where I know you can find us at brightly.eco. Don't forget, we're all on this journey together, so have fun putting the planet first and stay curious.